It is Monday on Daily Delivery. Michael Rand here, Star Tribune columnist Patrick Royce here with me as well. Plenty to get to off the weekend. Patrick, we're going to start uh, with Timberwolves. We'll get some twins, uh, futility in there too, and maybe the wild qualifying for the playoffs. Again, that became official uh, Sunday with a victory, but got to start Wolves, Patrick, just, you know, coming off of Saturday's game one victory in Memphis. And if the narrative, you know, going into this series was that Memphis was maybe a, a good matchup for them, even though they're the seven seed Memphis is the two seed that kind of played out in that game. It was, you know, for as good as Memphis is that, that felt like a game where the wolves had the upper hand for most of the game, strangely enough, and has to give you a little bit of a, you know, curiosity going into the rest of this series, including, uh, including game two on Tuesday. And it really, uh, it really did emphasize the point of how big that play in game was because you had to win the first one. Otherwise you get beat by 15 by uh, Phoenix and in, uh, in the first game. And uh, you're, you have no chance. I was thinking back to uh, when they went to the playoffs last time, they won 47 games, and you knew they had no chance to win a playoff series against Houston. They won one game, and that was that was probably the maximum they could win. And while they filled the arena and people were, you know, that the showed up, there was no anticipation of success. And if you'd lost the Phoenix, if you'd lost that plan game and then ended up having to play Phoenix, there would have been no anticipation really of success this time. Now you watch that game thinking, well, they might have a chance. And to me, Mike, they didn't play that well and won that game. Now, Anthony Edwards was great and Cat was good, but they turned it over, what, 11 times the first quarter or something? They were throwing it all over the building. Uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell won for his first 10. So they didn't play great, and they still handled them. Uh, they were they were still the best team on the court, uh, dang near the whole game. Uh, it was real instructive to me. I did not realize that Job ja Morant, for all his greatness, isn't a shooter at all. Uh, he's you know he's doesn't make threes. He's not a shooter. He's not a jump shooter. He's going to get his you know twenty eight or thirty, and and as as Finch said, live in the middle of your defense, but. Uh, well, he's not a shooter, and uh, and Cat does not get bounced around. Uh, he can go out, get away from the basket. Stephen Adams go out there. Stephen Adams didn't score. That was supposed to be a bad matchup for him. He, he didn't he shoot. Didn't, he took zero shot attempts. He took zero yeah. shot attempts in twenty four minutes. So uh, you know you got hope now. That's uh, you know all of a sudden Memphis has got to be looking at themselves saying. Uh, man alive this team came in here and we we forced a lot of turnovers and they still beat us and uh uh that was a horribly officiated game by uh, on all standards but uh you know both sides uh those are the two stupidest clear path fouls i've ever seen in my life from these over egregious jerks that they had uh david Guff, guthrie and friends but uh it was uh you know it was uh Watching it, you thought, uh, you know, the, tonight for sure, the uh, or this afternoon, the Timberwolves are definitely the better club. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was like I said, if you thought going in there might be a chance, I, I feel like my 
my perspective on the series has changed a little bit just, you know, from, from a game one win. Now we'll see if they can carry it over, but you know, the thing they've got to be, the two things they got to be most encouraged about, and you touched on these already was, you know, a Anthony Edwards coming off of that 30 point game in the playoff game against the Clippers puts 36 on Memphis. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, struggled some towards the end of the year. We don't know if it was just kind of, fatigue whether it was you know the the lingering injury stuff like that or whether it's just you know long season guys get a little disinterested they go through slumps stuff like that whatever it was if it was a slump uh that that thing is over this guy you know like he's like he has said you know when when the bright lights come on he he comes out to play so that uh you know goes without saying but you know you never know what these guys are going to do when they get to the playoffs and you know 36 in his playoff debut uh, tells you what uh, what he has in him, at least. Making shots is a wonderful thing in basketball. I've always said you look through the games and, uh, okay, uh, goaltending is the big thing in, uh, in hockey. It's the big X factor that you don't know about. And in, uh, in football, it's turnovers. Uh, you don't know about it. In basketball, making shots. <laughs> it's that sure. The- fundamental nature of the game is uh you got to make shots and uh if 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 some team decides to shoot 38 percent some night not because of great defense but because they don't make any shots uh and uh edwards has uh been fabulous lately uh making that jump shot making threes making uh, he hasn't had to get to the basket that often because he's he has gotten there but he's gotten more uh, just uh, shooting and making his jump shots. And uh, uh, he is, uh, there's no doubt he's, he, he doesn't play with any intimidation. Now, what was really, I think the real uh, thing though, was uh, the rebounding was even, right? I mean, they, the Memphis uh, statistically one of the greatest offensive rebounding teams of uh, in, in NBA history. And, uh, they don't. They didn't pound the boards. They didn't. They didn't have like three guys charging to the boards that I, I saw. There's a incredible number of uh, you know missed shots where the Vanderbilt or Cat or one of the other guys just had it wide open, uncontested. Uh, I don't know what uh, was with with Memphis's uh, act there, but that was not a you know that was not a hard nosed looking team. Not on uh, Saturday. I'm sure you'll see some different Tuesday, but that was not a tough, you know, nasty team that they were supposed to be. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake where every day is play day. No, they seem like they had some playoff jitters. I mean, a team that, you know, overachieved, I would say, to a certain degree, this year now they they made they had made the play in a year ago they made the playoffs a year ago by getting in and they got you know they took game one from utah last year before getting rolled but you know it's a team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience i mean steven adams has played a lot of playoff games but the rest of these guys haven't really been there kind of like the wolves where they got you know patrick beverly who's been in a bunch of playoff series then nobody else really has done much of anything in the playoffs so it could have just been a matter of you know young team with expectations all of a sudden realizing what's at stake and, and putting up a clunker. So yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what, uh, what they are able to do in game two. Cause I'm sure the wolves are going to see a better version of Memphis in that game. But you know, like you said before, Steven Adams, 
uh, was pretty much a non-factor. He, I only think he only had three rebounds too. I think he only had one offensive rebound. I think Memphis maybe had eight offensive rebounds for the game. You will certainly live with that number if you're the, if you're the Wolves, who have not been a great defensive rebounding team this year. And you're right, Memphis, one of the best uh, offensive rebounding teams of of any era uh, this season. So. Cat, though, like you said, a um, lot of concerns I had coming off of that Clippers game, just the way he looked in that game, not just the fouls, but looking like he was overmatched in the moment, um, you know, and that was building upon a history that was four years old, but still was a history where he did not play well in that Houston series um, that you mentioned, too. So we were wondering, OK, is this is this playoff cat? Is that a worry? And he, you know, 29 points in a pretty efficient effort at least took a step towards changing that narrative uh, over the weekend as well. I thought the whole reaction to that was I wrote the column about it. That he was way over the top. He had a lousy game. Yeah. I saw Patrick Mahomes have a lousy game too. I, uh, I was not of the, uh, okay. You know, the NBA, they're all into that. Oh, he, you know, he can't handle the pressure of the, of a playoff game. And uh, he, uh, you know, his, his biggest problem was, it wasn't a problem of him not being tough enough. It was a problem of trying to be too tough. Right. It was was his, you know, bowling through people and he got he obviously uh he's he's like the rest of them, only a little more over the top as far as complaining about officiating. And he he I think he's worse at home emotionally than he is on the road because he gets the crowd. You know, he gets a foul called, so he reacts, and then the crowd gets into it too. And he's all—he's being encouraged by the fans to complain about everything. And uh, but uh, uh, you know, I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's been by far a better, best player he's ever. He's, you know, now his early, his first three years, he played eighty-two games, right? He didn't yes. miss it. Correct. And and he was a pretty committed, hard-nosed. I mean, not hard nosed, never was hard nosed, but he was a pretty committed player. And the last three years, I didn't really know if we were getting the best he had. He missed a lot of games. And this year, he was the best he's ever been. And I was not willing to throw him overboard uh, because he had one lousy game against a pretty good Clippers team that knew yes. how to play, knew how to play him. So uh, it was, uh, you know, I I was not surprised that he showed up and had a really good game on uh, on Saturday. And now they'll uh, they'll probably attack him a little differently uh, this time. They're going to have to try to. Uh, they can't give him as much room as they did this time. And uh, I mean, in, in Saturday's game, and they'll that'll ju- it'll just be a more fierce game. Now these guys called fifty six fouls, fifty six fouls after fifty four fouls in the uh, two games. Uh, so I don't know what they can do. I don't think they can call more, more fouls than that, but the game is going to be way nastier Tuesday than it was, uh, uh, on Saturday. And the other thing is we got the crazy man who's going to stir up some stuff and, uh, there will be at least one, one of these playoff games against Memphis where Beverly gets ejected because he's nuts. He is really valuable. And he made a big three there that every time he shoots, I scream at the TV because I don't think he's a shooter, but uh, he is off the, off the deep end. And uh, there'll be, uh, there'll be, there'll be an incident of significance with him before this series is over. 
Yeah, I was on Memphis radio a few days ago and they asked me and they'd said an over underline of ejections for anybody in this series of 1.5. And I took the I definitely took the over on that. I feel like it's going to get emotional as things goes on. Patrick Beverly's got some of that to him. Dylan Brooks on Memphis's side certainly has some of that to him. Those guys are going to get under each, each other's skin, especially since this looks like it's going to be a potentially, you know, six, seven game type of series with, with it going back and forth a little bit. When you play each other that many times in a row, uh, that sort of thing is only going to, uh, only going to happen. But yeah, I get you saying about cat. He, he had a great year. I just, I did, you know, I, th- I think you're, that's a good point too, about the emotion at home versus the road. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to kind of watch that as, as the rest of the series goes on but uh, yeah it was, it was still a concern to me especially after seeing how he played against houston you know four years ago but you know different cat at this point so I, I that, that he was that bad against houston they were just overmatched you know yeah he, he only had like 13 points combined in the first two games of that series he was he was pretty bad early in that series but yeah i mean it could sometimes you just run into a better team that that's something we got to remember too like we sometimes we it's uh, you know, give blame to somebody else. And he's like, well, actually the other team was just pretty good. So that will be a, that'll be something to watch. He had a hard time with that Capella, right? Wasn't it? Yes. That's, so, uh, who was really a pretty good player back then, but yeah, I, well, he's a better player now than he was in 2018. So then he's, he's, you know, he's more experienced. I have a real question as to what, orders the officials are operating under though from the nba league office because you know the, the postseason generally they they're allowed to be more physical and the, the they're just blowing the whistles like insane people uh the the, the first couple of uh, the first at least the first two games we've seen i i gotta think the league the league office has told them to call a lot of fouls in the first round to try to calm things down i think it's got to be something going on because uh, 110 fouls in two games is ridiculous that is so a lot yeah i i don't know there's something there's something going on. You never know what the league is up to, but uh, they got to love this series because they got two series in the first round, right? Basically they have uh, the Nets and the Celtics, which has got a chance to be great. Boy, did the Celtics pull that one out. Yeah. And then this one and the others are mismatches. So, uh, uh, you know, I, now I was surprised that uh, Golden State ended up uh, winning as easy as they did, but uh, you know, you got, you got to, so at least half the first rounders are not worth turning on the TV to watch because they're just absolute blowouts. So. Yeah, I think these two, and then the uh, I think Raptors and uh, 76ers could get good at some point too, but it was Raptors, not. After uh, Steam is missing, though, I think 76ers might sweep them. So they've mm-hmm. got a bunch of guys not playing. So we'll see. Yeah, you never know with Canada if somebody. If somebody's got a cousin from four states away who's got COVID, they probably won't let him play. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we might be in line for May basketball here. That would be game seven of this series. I think we're going to see some May playoff hockey. We'll get to the wild here in a little bit. Patrick, I don't know if we're going to have any October baseball this year. There, I, I I couldn't watch them yesterday after about six innings this is the most pathetic hitting I've ever seen. They're just awful. hundred. You told me that, uh, how many hits? 51 hits, 51 nine, hits in nine games, nine games, 51 hits. And, and what they had 13 of them in one game, right? They or 11 or the, the, the game they had eight runs in, they had a bunch of hits, didn't they? So, uh, yes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, the, that was the story, the first game in Boston, right? That, uh, well, the offense came to life. No, it didn't. They think they're, uh, it was, I mean, now Gray is not going to hit 130 and, uh, you know, but they got one hitter, a rise. He's the only guy that comes to the plate. You think, you know, he might get a hit. Right. <laughs> nobody else. There's nobody else that comes to the plate. You say, yeah, he, he's probably going to get a hit here. It's uh, brutal, pathetic. And uh, with the geniuses, the boy geniuses, they went and got some guy that nobody would ever heard of out of high A. He was coaching high A, never coached above there. David Popkins, he's one of this. You know, he's like the Giants guy that was, you know, just absolutely analytically fantastic. He knew everything about the swing and changing the swing and the whole thing. Yeah, well, I still take a guy who might have got that. Might have known that the major leagues existed before he got here. It's a guy that, uh, you know, I don't know if he ever even played pro ball, but uh it's uh, sometimes these guys outsmart themselves. And uh, at this point, their latest young genius, if I was him, I'd be in a panic because this is, this is unbelievable. This is uh, brutal. And uh, it, we were so desperate that Dick and Roy were telling us uh, the other day, was it yesterday? Too many day games. <laughs> Too many day games. That's what it is. Too many day games it doesn't give you enough time to prepare uh okay that's good too many day games that was you know generally speaking when the weather's 38 degrees out you'd say well at least it was a day game but now we're saying they're not too many day games any uh even by bsn standards bs <laughs> bsn standards that was a reach to try to explain this uh pathetic start to a season and guess what huh you got a basketball team that's got a good chance to get out of a first round you got a hockey team that's going to be playing at least till june uh in all likelihood or you know at least going to capture the town once the playoffs start and you're sending out this product that place is going to be a ghost town this year, Target Field, if they don't shape up here. I know it's only nine games, but it's pathetic to watch. It's awful. There's nothing happening. Inning after inning, boom, boom, boom. You know, and it's not like they've been, you know, we all were saying Clayton Kershaw, man, he was great. He should have stayed in. I don't think he was that good watching him now. He was, you know, he was just throwing a, he didn't throw over 90. He didn't throw a no. pitch over 90. And they were, uh, they struck out 13 times. They're awful. And uh, what a, what a bad year to be awful for a franchise. That's really in trouble. I think with the public. So, yeah. I mean, but they scored, they had the 10 run outburst against the Mariners. They had the eight runs against Boston the other day. So that means in the other seven games, they've scored 11 runs because they got 29 on the season and uh, 117 batting average 187 and you look at it too i mean it's it's been you know if it was just you know a one week slump then you could be like okay this is you know it's gonna get better and it, it, it will it will get somewhat better to a certain degree we don't know to what degree but the other problem patrick is the injuries already you know buxton yeah. already has you know Although that sounds like it's not as serious as they might have feared, that that's going to be a couple of weeks, I would think. You know, they're going to be cautious with it, and 
Kirilov with the wrist, that's a that's a major blow. That's a guy that, you know, on given nights yeah. probably would be in the middle of your lineup and you're counting on him, you know, short term and long term. And if this wrist thing is you know, recurring and you never know when it's going to flare up. That's a problem. You got Sonny Gray on the injured list too now too with the hamstring. That's the pitching side, but you know, already with the injuries this year. Yeah, Buxton, it slides into a base and uh, you know, pops up and looks like he's done for his career. He's uh, what he said. He had a they quoted him today. He had a tingling sensation and he was frustrated and he's been a little. I don't know. You know what? I had this thought. This kid didn't drink enough milk when he was a kid, man. He didn't <laughs> glass of milk in the morning. He's got to have the worst skin. for a great physically imposing guy on the outside. He's got to have the worst skeleton in the world. He's got to have a most fragile skeleton in the world. I, I don't It's, you know, last year, Mike, both of the times he got hurt last year, he was out way longer than we all anticipated. Yes. So, not exactly a, uh, you know, a guy who beats expectation. You never hear. Well, you might hear it, but it's a lie. He's ahead of his. He's ahead of the the traditional. He's ahead of uh, where he was supposed to be in his recovery. We love to say that. Nobody ever says that about this guy. And you combine him with Doc Rock, who doesn't want to play a guy uh, unless he's a hundred percent. As I keep saying, this is baseball. There is no 100%. You play 162 games. There's no such thing. Here is the standard. Can you play today? In any, are you capable of going out and playing today? Whether that's at 85% or 100%, are you capable of playing today? If the answer is yes, see ya. Get out there. Uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, all this waiting around to get a guy back in a lineup never works. It never works. That never worked for Buxton last year. They waited an extra two weeks the first time he got hurt and he came back and got hurt. He never got out of St. Paul, right? I saw him when he first came in St. Paul. He had a triple. He had a triple. He had two hits that day. Yay. And about two days later, he can't play again because he got sore running out his triple, apparently. Uh, You know, I've you know, we all love him as a player, but let's face it. He's, somebody said to me, how are the Twins going to be? And I said, tell me whether Bucks is going to play 140 or 60. Yep. And I'll tell you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look at the, you're talking, we're talking about the lack of runs, Mike. How many of those are Buxton responsible for? A lot. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the sequence where he had three homers and three oh. consecutive at-bats earlier in the year. And the one that should have, the one that should have won their game. And by the way, the bullpen is uh, not great either. The starting pitching has probably been the most pleasant surprise so far. Joe Ryan, good um, in that win the other day. Bailey Ober, pretty good um, yesterday, too. Got a little victimized by some bad defense, but he only gave up two unearned runs in six innings. But yeah, the, the bullpen is has been shaky so far. They gave up a ton of runs yesterday. And Bar is, uh, yeah. you're, you're- with Theobar and Colum Bay as their two lefties, and uh, Caleb hasn't been good the last two times out. So, uh, yeah, they're uh, yeah, and and by the way, that bullpen is going to be now they have they did uh, what get rid of one they got fifteen pitchers now instead of sixteen, but uh, come May for come next week they got to have uh, 
13 pitchers. So it's going to be an eight pitcher bullpen. And uh, this does not look like a, uh, does not look like one made for, uh, they're going to be shuffling them in and out from here, but uh, Duffy does not look good. And uh, I mean, doesn't look sharp and uh, you know, Duran was going to be unhittable. And then he gave up three runs the other day. So uh, you know, what is amazing about 102 people can hit it. (laughs) Yeah, I know it. Although you see our uh, Hunter Green uh, set up the uh, the guy the Twins didn't draft set an all time record for most 100 mile an hour pitches. Saw that 39 100 mile an hour pitches the other day, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad time to make everybody say, "Man, we got the Wild, we got the Wolves, uh, you know, we we got other stuff to worry about." So, yeah. wonder when we see Royce Lewis. He's been knocking it around pretty good yep. in St. Paul. I wonder if that's, you know, that's always the, uh, the ace in the hole when you're struggling is to, to bring up the, uh, the prize prospect when he deserves it and uh, see how he does as well. You got to keep him a shortstop though, because Correa's Correa's one and done. So, uh, I know. And so you, you know, you can't start messing with him. You got to hope he starts hitting. So, uh, you know, Lewis will probably be over there until September, I would guess. Unless yeah. Somebody else gets hurt, and then you can maybe bring him over and play third or something. I don't know, but he's he's got to be your shortstop next year. So he does. I think I put the magic number at two seventy for Buxton and Correa games played combined this year. We'll see <laughs> where that number. That's that was the number they had to get to if they're going to be good. They sat Correa Correa once for no reason, right? right. Not be, yeah, just because Doc Rock does that. But uh, uh, yeah, Buxton is that's. That leaves if if it's going to be two seventy, that means that Korea has to play uh, one hundred and sixty one. So <laughs> maybe, yeah, uh, not great. Well, let's finish, Patrick. Let's finish up talking about the Wild here for a little bit. They did clinch a playoff berth yesterday. Came back and beat San Jose. Not their finest game. Um, not Mark Andre Fleury's finest game, but they do find a way to win again. That's kind of been something they've done a lot this year, especially in overtime late game situations. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, just the third time in their combined histories that the wild and wolves now are in the playoffs in the same year. The other times being 2003 and 2018. So we have a dueling, playoff situation here um which uh, you know which which makes it fun and both these teams are pretty fun yeah they are uh the wild are definitely a coin flip in the first round it's locked in now it's going to be them in st louis and they have had trouble with the blues but uh, in the blues uh you figured okay they uh they got to go to nashville and we and our fellas get to play the horrible sharks at home and they, the Blues go down and get seven goals in a period and beat yeah. Nashville three. They are playing really well. Now, the, the Wild had them running around like idiots in the third period the other day and came back and tied the game. And then St. Louis beat them in the three-on-three overtime. I think these three-on-three overtime wins are fun, but they mean nothing. Right. Because playoffs start, you don't get to do that. You can play for five hours. And uh, here's the other thing. They're giving up a lot of goals, a lot of goals, aren't they, lately? I mean, you yes. give up starts who – it was the last game of a, what, five- or six-game road trip in which the Sharks, I don't think, had won a game. And and they played last night, right? 
uh, Sharks were played the game before, the day before, a night game, I think. And they came in here and put up four goals against them. And everybody's getting routinely getting three, four goals against them. So it's, uh, you know, it, as playoff hockey is supposed to be this, you know, tightly played, uh, more physical game. Uh, and, uh, you know, they never win a face-off, which becomes more important in the playoffs. So uh, I would say they're, they're no better than a coin flip against St. Louis right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's about what it is. St. Louis is awfully good. I think they're like, you know, while it's not just this year, too, those struggles against St. Louis go back a few years where just whatever it is about the matchup, the style, that is not a good one for them. You know, kind of the other side of, you know, when we talked about Minnesota and Memphis in the NBA, you're thinking about that's a good matchup, even if, you know, even if the Wild ends up getting home ice, which is probably a coin flip at this point, too, because St. Louis is right there with them in the standings. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's, I'd say that's true. Wild this week has an easy schedule though. So uh, they got a Vancouver coming in here. They're at Montreal, which is terrible. And uh, they, you know, they, they, and they have the proverbial game in hand. The game in hand. Yes. The game in hand. So uh, they, they still right now are uh, favorites to, uh, to uh, get to play St. Louis at home. But it seems to me the postseason. Uh, being at home is not what it used to be in in hockey and in mo- almost in every sport. Not so much basketball is still the home court means a lot, but I don't, you know, the other sports. NFL doesn't mean anything during the playoffs. Uh, NHL it doesn't mean nearly as much as it used to, and uh, you know I think teams just come in and. You know, the fans scream like lunatics for the first five minutes and then whoever scores the first goal. And it's uh, the I, I don't think it makes that much difference, frankly, uh, whether they get to play at home or not. I know they've won a lot of games at home this year, but I don't think it makes any difference. I think they should give home the team that gets the home court or home field in these leagues. I think they should give them five home games in the series instead of four. I think they make it make it mean something, make the regular season mean something. You get one extra home game doesn't do enough for me yeah i think that's uh you know it kind of that that would make a sense if there was a big difference between the two teams you know but i i don't know if i don't know if you want to give a team that type of an advantage if it is an advantage if uh if indeed the uh you know, they're separated by one point at the end of the year or something. I, I don't know. I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, I will say that the first time the Blues and the North Stars played was in the Western Conference Finals when the Western Conference was the expansion division. And the Blues did get five home games in, uh, in a seven-game series because the owners of the Met Center had scheduled the circus. That's right. Played and they had to they couldn't move the circus, so the Blues got an extra home game. So our first year out with the mighty North Stars uh, in, the, in, the, in the Western Conference Finals, they could have went to the Cup the first year, and it ended up, I think, they lost Game 7 in overtime, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, in, in, in overtime, and they had played uh, five of those seven games in St. Louis. So Amazing. Your system came through that time, <laughs> but only because of the circus, not because it was anything planned, right? Yeah, we were probably the circus is probably paying them ten thousand to rent the arena back then. So probably, anyway. yeah. Wild's good though; they're good. It's just, oh, you know, they're it's... good. Yeah, they're they're good. They and they those they they 
beef themselves up more at the trading deadline than uh, St. Louis did. St. Louis added Nicoletti. That was a local kid, but he's uh, more of a skater than a, than a tough guy. But they, uh, I don't know, they don't seem to have a lot of fear of the wild. So it'll be a, it'll be a good series. There's no doubt about it. About as fun as I can remember the wild and wolves being at the same time too. I mean, we, you know, fun is subjective, but you know, just two teams that play a relatively entertaining style. I just, I don't remember them both being in this mode for a long time. Yeah, that's true. That is true. The, uh, you know, the, uh, now when the wolves went in 18 or the wild, not in the playoffs. No, they made it that year. Those, that was the other, that was the other year aside from 2003. Um, when they both made it that year, that was the, the wolf, the wolves lost in the first round. The wild made their run that year. Oh, they lost in the second round of the, was that the Blackhawks year or not? No, I'm ta- no, no, no. The, uh, I'm talking about 2003, 2018 oh, was, no, uh, no. I was wondering. Yeah. 2000, uh, 2018, they both got smoked in five games. It was the wolves lost to the Rockets and the wild lost to, I believe the blues that year. So full circle oh, there. That was the Jake Allen series. That yes. Was. The Jake Allen series where they could not get a puck past Jake Allen. Oh, who, who then the next year couldn't stop a volleyball. So correct. It's, uh, it's a, uh, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird, uh, to say the least, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, they certainly have the, the greater prospects because if the uh, wolves would, uh, win this, uh, series, they'd have to play Phoenix. So no, they have gold, uh, they have golden state next. I think they don't, I don't think they re the NBA does not, the NBA does not reseed. Oh, that's right. So, okay. I was, I kept thinking that seven would have to play one. Nope. They get a winner of golden state and, um, who's golden state playing Denver. So probably, probably golden state. Yeah. They could, they could compete with that team. Although I I will say that, uh, golden state's in pretty good shape with Steph Curry as a backup guard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Saw that the other day, 22 minutes off the bench. That's not bad. Bring that guy out. You can't beat out Jordan pole of the pool. who's turned (laughs) into but a phenom, right? He, he got thirty, and he's he's great, and nobody ever heard of him. So, uh, but that'd be a good team to play because they're not physical at all. No, no there you go. It's gotta... Let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. No. The, uh, winning, uh, winning one, and getting overconfident. I can see that. I can see that with that Wolves team too. But plus, Patrick. Why do they hate Patrick Beverly in Memphis? He wasn't even there, was he? No, they hate him because he's ten minutes. He, They've, he's knocked around John Morant for a while this year, so that's part of the problem. Oh, oh okay, okay, all right. Because uh, did Memphis had him when they made that trade? Yes. Is that, yeah, but he never played for them, right? No, you know who they got? You know who they swapped him for, right? Jared, Jared Culver, and Wancho Hernan Gomez. What yeah. a that's Jared. Uh, I saw the Jared Memphis's last game of the year. They didn't play anybody. You know, they yeah. didn't play. So Jared had 16, 18 minutes, no points. Oh, boy. So anybody who wants to tell me what a great job Gerson Rosas did, I say Jared Culver. Yes, that was, his, that was his major whiff right there, major. And he traded up to get him. Traded, traded up to up. get him. Yes, he did. And, uh, yeah, so anyhow, yeah, it was fun. It was uh, fun. It's, uh, but you know, I did, and, and back to the playing game. We didn't talk about that. That was one of the most fun, bad basketball games I've ever played. <laughs> it, 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 it was not well terrible. played. It was not well played. The Clippers were awful 50, in that game. 52 fouls. Well, the Clippers were, I thought they strategically and everything else, they played really good, but then they went seven minutes without 
making a shot, you know. So uh, then they turned around and lost at home to New Orleans. Saw that. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Because they went, they were down early. They went and got ahead of them like 12, 13 points. Yeah, ended up that was me. That was the point where I turned the game off and I look up the next morning. I looked at the brackets because I was in an NBA uh, playoff pool and I was like, wait, wait, what? The Pelicans or uh, did the Pelicans win that game? What happened here? Yeah, they thought this might create some excitement in New Orleans, but they're four and done and, um, you know, oh, yeah. hard. they got no chance. So. Yeah, anyway. no, it should be a should be fun Tuesday night. And then uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, the home games Thursday and Saturday. That Saturday game, nine o'clock. Local time start. Our Star Tribune print edition. Yeah, that's not going to be great. And you guys that keep saying nine o'clock. Nope. No, right. Yeah. Earliest. Yes. Nine earliest. Right. Get over around midnight. That'll be fun. But we will certainly talk about that next Monday, Patrick. I'm sure good stuff today. And we'll, we'll do this again next week. All right. All right, Michael. See you.